book two chapter ten of the mystical city of god volume three by the venerable sister mary of jesus of agreda this librivox recording is in the public domain book two chapter ten christ our saviour celebrates the last supper with his disciples according to the law and he washes their feet his most holy mother obtains a full knowledge and understanding of all these mysteries our redeemer proceeded on his way to jerusalem on the evening of the thursday preceding his passion and death during their conversation on the way while he instructed them in the approaching mysteries the apostles proposed their doubts and difficulties and he as the teacher of wisdom and as a loving father answered them in words which sweetly penetrated into their very hearts for having always loved them he like a divine swan in these last hours of his life manifested his love with so much the greater force of amiable sweetness in his voice and manner the knowledge of his impending passion and the prospect of his great torments not only did not hinder him in the manifestations of his love but just as fire is more concentrated by the frost so his love broke forth with so much the greater force at the prospect of these sufferings the conflagration of the love which burned in the heart of jesus issued forth to overpower by its penetrating activity first those who were nearest about him and then also those who sought to extinguish it forever excepting christ and his blessed mother the rest of us mortals are ordinarily roused to resentment by injury or dismayed and disgusted by adversity and we deem it a great thing not to revenge ourselves on those who offend us but the love of the divine master was not daunted by the impending ignominies of his passion nor dampened by the ignorance of his apostles and the disloyalty which he was soon to experience on their part the apostle asked him where he wished to celebrate the paschal supper matthew chapter twenty six for on that thursday night the jews were to partake of the lamb of the pasch a most notable and solemn national feast though of all their feasts this eating of the paschal lamb was most prophetic and significant of the messiah and of the mysteries connected with him and his work the apostles were as yet scarcely aware of its intimate connection with christ the divine master answered by sending saint peter and saint john to jerusalem to make arrangements for the paschal lamb this was to be in a house where they would see a servant enter with a jug of water and whose master they were to request in christ's name to prepare a room for his last supper with his disciples this man lived near to jerusalem rich and influential he was at the same time devoted to the savior and was one of those who had witnessed and had believed in his miracles and teachings the author of life rewarded his piety and devotion by choosing his house for the celebration of the great mystery and thus consecrated it as a temple for the faithful of future times the two apostles immediately departed on their commission and following the instructions they asked the owner of this house to entertain the master of life for the solemn celebration of this feast of the unleavened bread the heart of this householder was enlightened by special grace and he readily offered his dwelling with all the necessary furniture for celebrating the supper according to the law he assigned to them a very large hall appropriately tapestried and adorned for the mysteries which unbeknown to him and the apostles the lord was to celebrate therein 
after due preparation had thus been made the saviour and the other apostles arrived at this apartment his most blessed mother and the holy women in her company came soon after upon entering the most humble queen prostrated herself on the floor and adored her divine son as usual asking his blessing and begging him to let her know what she was to do he bade her go to another room where she would be able to see all that was done on this night according to the decrees of providence and where she was to console and instruct as far as was proper the holy women of her company the great lady obeyed and retired with her companions she exhorted them to persevere in faith and prayer while she knowing that the hour of her holy communion was at hand continued to keep her interior vision riveted on the doings of her most holy son and to prepare herself for the worthy reception of his body and blood his most holy mother having retired our lord and master jesus with his apostles and disciples took their places to celebrate the feast of the lamb he observed all the ceremonies of the law exodus chapter twelve verse three as prescribed by himself through moses during this last supper he gave to the apostles an understanding of all the ceremonies of the figurative law as observed by the patriarchs and prophets he showed them how beneath it was hidden the real truth namely all that he himself was to accomplish as redeemer of the world he made them understand that now the law of moses and its figurative meaning was evacuated by its real fulfillment that as the light of the new law of grace had begun to shine the shadows were dispelled and the natural law which had been reconfirmed by the precepts of moses was now placed permanently on its real foundation ennobled and perfected by his own teachings that the efficacy of the sacraments of the new law abrogated those of the old as being merely figurative and ineffectual he told them that by celebrating this supper he set an end to the rights and obligations of the old law which was only a preparation and a representation of what he was now about to accomplish and hence having attained its end had now become useless this instruction enlightened the apostles concerning the deep mysteries of this last supper the other disciples that were present did not understand these mysteries as thoroughly as the apostles judas attended to and understood them least of all yea not at all for he was completely under the spell of his avarice thinking only of his prearranged treason and how he could execute it most secretly the lord revealed none of his secret treachery for so it best served the designs and equity of his most high providence he did not wish to exclude him from the supper and from the other mysteries leaving it to his own wickedness to bring about his exclusion the divine master always treated him as his disciple apostle and minister and was careful of his honor thus he taught the children of the church by his own example with what veneration they should treat his ministers and priests how they must guard their honor and avoid speaking of their sins and weaknesses still adhering to frail human nature in spite of their high office none of them will ever be worse than judas as we can well assume and not one of the faithful will ever be like christ our lord and saviour nor as our faith teaches us will any one ever have his divine authority and power hence as all men are of infinitely smaller consideration than our saviour let them accord to his ministers who though wicked will ever be better than judas 
the same treatment as he condescended to accord to this most wicked disciple and apostle this duty toward priests is not less urgent even in superiors for also christ our lord who bore with judas and was so careful of his reputation was infinitely his superior on this occasion the redeemer composed a new canticle by which he exalted the eternal father for having in his son fulfilled the figures of the old law and for thus advancing the glory of his holy name prostrate upon the earth he humiliated himself in his humanity before god confessing adoring and praising the divinity as infinitely superior to his humanity then addressing the eternal father he gave vent to the burning affection of his heart in the following sublime prayer my eternal father and infinite god thy divine and eternal will resolve to create this my human nature in order that i may be the head of all those that are predestined for thy glory and happiness and who are to attain their true blessedness by availing themselves of my works for this purpose and in order to redeem them from the fall of adam i have lived with them thirty-three years now my lord and father the opportune and acceptable hour for fulfilling thy eternal will has arrived the greatness of thy holy name is about to be revealed to men and thy incomprehensible divinity through holy faith is to be made known and exalted among all nations it is time that the seven-sealed book be opened as thou hast commissioned me to do and that the figures of old come to a happy solution apocalypse chapter five verse seven the ancient sacrifices of animals which prefigured the one i am now voluntarily to make of myself for the children of adam for the members of my mystical body for the sheep of thy flock must now come to an end and i beseech thee in this hour to look down with an eye of mercy if in the past thy anger has been placated by these ancient figures and sacrifices which i am now about to abrogate let it now my father be entirely extinguished since i am ready to offer myself in voluntary sacrifice to die for men on the cross and give myself as a holocaust of my love letter to the ephesians chapter five verse two therefore lord let the rigor of thy justice be relaxed and look upon the human race with eyes of mercy let us institute a new law for men by which they may throw down the bars of their disobedience and open for themselves the gates of heaven let them now find a free road and open portals for entering with me upon the vision of thy divinity as many of them as will follow my footsteps and obey my law the eternal father graciously received this prayer of our redeemer and sent innumerable hosts of his angelic courtiers to assist at the wonderful works which christ was to perform in that place while this happened in the cenacle most holy mary in her retreat was raised to the highest contemplation in which she witnessed all that passed as if she were present thus she was enabled to cooperate and correspond as a most faithful helpmate enlightened by the highest wisdom by heroic and celestial acts of virtue she imitated the doings of christ our saviour for all of them awakened fitting resonance in her bosom and caused a mysterious and divine echo of like petitions and prayers in the sweetest virgin moreover she composed new and admirable canticles of praise for all that the sacred humanity of christ was now about to accomplish 
in obedience to the divine will and in accordance and in fulfillment of the figures of the old law very wonderful and worthy of all admiration would it be for us as it was for the holy angels and as it will be for all the blessed if we could understand the divine harmony of the works and virtues in the heart of our great queen which like a heavenly chorus neither confused nor hindered each other in their superabundance on this occasion being filled with the intelligence of which i have spoken she was sensible of the mysterious fulfillment and accomplishment of the ceremonies and figures of the old law through the most noble and efficacious sacraments of the new she realized the vast fruits of the redemption in the predestined the ruin of the reprobate the exaltation of the name of god and of the sacred humanity of christ the widespread knowledge and faith in the true god now beginning throughout the world she fully understood how the heavens had been closed for so many ages in order that now the children of adam might enter through the establishment and progress of the new evangelical church and its ministers and how her divine son was the most wonderful and skilful artificer of all these blessings exciting the admiration and praise of all the courtiers of heaven for these magnificent results without forgetting the least of them she now blessed the eternal father and gave him ineffable thanks in the consolation and jubilee of her soul but also she reflected that all these admirable works were to cost her divine son the sorrow ignominies affronts and torments of his passion and at last the bitter death of the cross of which he was to endure in the very humanity that he had received from her while at the same time such a number of the children of adam for whom he suffered would ungratefully waste the copious fruit of the redemption this knowledge filled with bitterest sorrow the purest heart of the loving mother but as she was a living and faithful reproduction of her most holy son all these sentiments and operations found room in her magnanimous and expanded heart and therefore she was not disturbed nor dismayed nor did she fail to console and instruct her companions but without losing touch of her high intelligences she descended to their level of thought in her words of consolation and of eternal life for their instruction o oh, admirable instructress and superhuman example entirely to be followed and imitated it is true that in comparison with this sea of grace and light our prerogatives dwindle into insignificance but it is also true that our sufferings and trials in comparison with hers are so to say only imaginary and not worthy to be even noticed since she suffered more than all the children of adam together yet neither in order to imitate her nor for our eternal welfare can we be induced to suffer with patience even the least adversity all of them excite and dismay us and take away our composure we give vent to our passions we angrily resist and are consumed with restless sorrow in our stubbornness we lose our reason give free rein to evil moments and hasten on toward the precipice even good fortune lures us to destruction and so no reliance can be placed in our infected and spoiled nature let us be mindful of our heavenly mistress on such occasions in order that we may set ourselves right having completed the supper and fully instructed his disciples christ our saviour as saint john tells us john chapter thirteen verse four arose from the table in order to wash their feet 
he first prostrated himself before his eternal father and addressed to him another prayer of the same kind as that before the supper it was not uttered in words but was conceived interiorly as follows eternal father creator of the universe i am thy image and the figure of thy substance engendered by thy intellect letter to the hebrews chapter one verse three having offered myself for the redemption of the world through my passion and death according to thy will i now desire to enter upon these sacraments and mysteries by humiliating myself to the dust so that the pride of lucifer may be confounded by the humility of thy only begotten in order to leave an example of humility to my apostles and to my church which must be built up on the secure foundation of this virtue i desire my father to wash the feet of my disciples including the least of all of them judas steeped in his own malice i shall prostrate myself before him in deepest and sincerest self-abasement to offer him my friendship and salvation though he is my greatest enemy among the mortals i shall not refuse him pardon for his treachery nor deny him kindest treatment so that if he shall decline to accept it all the world may know that i have opened up to him the arms of my mercy and that he repelled my advances with obstinate contempt such was the prayer of the saviour in preparing to wash the feet of his disciples there are not words or similitudes in all creation which could properly express the divine impetus of the love with which he undertook and accomplished these works of mercy for in comparison to it the activity of fire is but slow the inflowing of the tide but weak the tendency of a stone towards its centre but tardy and all the forces of the elements in the world that we can imagine in their united activity but inadequate representations of the power of his love but we cannot fail to perceive that divine love and wisdom alone could ever conceive a humiliation by which both the divinity and his sacred humanity lowered themselves beneath the feet of mere creatures and beneath the feet of the worst of them judas that he who is the word of the eternal father the holy of the holy the essential goodness the lord of lords and the king of kings should prostrate himself before the most wicked of men and touch the feet of this most impure and degraded of his creatures with his lips and that he should do all this merely for the chance of justifying his wayward disciple and securing for him immeasurable blessings the master arose from his prayer and his countenance beaming with peace and serenity commanded his disciples to sit themselves like persons of superior station while he himself remained standing as if he were their servant then he laid aside the mantle which he wore over the seamless garment and which covered all his person except the feet he wore sandals which however he sometimes had dispensed with on his preaching tours though at other times he had worn them ever since his most holy mother had put them on his feet in egypt they grew in size with his feet as he advanced in age as i have already remarked having laid aside this mantle which was the garment spoken of by the evangelist john chapter thirteen verse four he girded his body with one end of a large towel permitting the other part to hang down free then he poured water into a basin for washing the feet of the apostles who were wonderingly observing the proceedings of their divine master 
he first approached the head of the apostles saint peter but when this excitable apostle saw prostrate at his feet the lord whom he had acknowledged and proclaimed as the son of god being again renewed and enlightened in his faith and overcome by humiliation at his own insignificance he said thou shalt never wash my feet the author of life answered him with some earnestness thou dost not know at present what i am doing but later on thou wilt understand it this was the same as to say to him obey now first my command and will and do not prefer thy will unto mine disturbing and perverting the order of virtues before all thou must yield captive thy understanding and believe that what i do is proper then having believed and obeyed thou wilt understand the hidden mysteries of my doings into the knowledge of which thou must enter by obedience without obedience thou canst not be truly humble but only presumptuous nor can thy humility take preference of mine i humiliated myself unto the death and in order to thus humiliate me i sought the way of obedience but thou who art my disciple dost not follow my doctrine under the color of humility thou art disobedient by thus perverting the right order thou strippest thyself as well of humility as of obedience following thy own presumptuous judgment st peter did not understand this doctrine contained in the first answer of our lord for though he belonged to his school he had not yet experienced the divine effects of this washing and contact floundering in the errors of his indiscreet humility he answered the lord i will never consent that thou wash my feet but the lord of life answered with greater severity if i wash thee not thou shalt have no part with me by this threatening answer the lord sanctioned obedience for ever as the secure way according to human insight st peter certainly had some excuse for being slow in permitting god to prostrate himself before an earthly and sinful man as he was and to allow him whom he had so recently acknowledged and adored as his creator to perform such an unheard-of act of self-abasement but his opposition was not excusable in the eyes of the divine master who could not err in what he wished to do for whenever there is not an evident error in what is commanded obedience must be blind and without evasion in this mystery the lord wished to repair the disobedience of our first parents adam and eve by which sin entered into the world and because of the similarity and relation between it and the disobedience of st peter our lord threatened him with a similar punishment telling him that if he did not obey he should have no part in him namely that he should be excluded from the merits and fruits of the redemption by which alone we become worthy of his friendship and glory he also threatened to deprive him of participation in his body and blood which he was now about to perpetuate in the sacramental species of bread and wine the saviour gave him to understand that how ardently soever he desired to communicate himself not only in part but in entirety yet disobedience would certainly deprive even the apostle of this blessing by this threat of our lord christ st peter was so chastened and instructed that he immediately submitted from his whole heart and said lord not only my feet but also my hands and my head he wished to say i offer my feet in order to walk in obedience my hands in order to exercise it 
and my head in order to surrender all of my own judgment that may be contrary to its dictates the lord accepted this submission of saint peter and said he that is washed needs not but to wash his feet but is wholly clean and you are clean but not all for seated among them was the most unclean judas this christ said because the disciples all except judas had been justified and cleaned by his doctrines and they needed only to be cleansed from imperfections and venial sins so that they might approach holy communion with so much the more worthiness and better preparation such as is required in order to participate fully in its divine effects and receive its abundant graces with so much the greater efficacy and plentitude for venial sins distractions and lukewarmness hinder all these benefits very much thereupon the feet of saint peter were washed as also those of the other disciples who permitted it in great astonishment and bathed in tears for all of them were filled with new enlightenment and gifts of grace the divine master then proceeded to wash also the feet of judas whose perfidious treason could not prevent the charity of christ from secretly bestowing upon him tokens of even greater charity than upon the other apostles without permitting it to be noticed by the others he manifested his special love toward judas in two ways on the one hand in the kind and caressing manner in which he approached him knelt at his feet washed them kissed them and pressed them to his bosom on the other hand by seeking to move his soul with inspirations proportionate to the dire depravity of his conscience for the assistance offered to judas was in itself much greater than that offered to the other apostles but as the disposition of this apostle was most wicked his vices deeply ingrown upon him his understanding and his faculties much disturbed and weakened as he had entirely forsaken god and given himself over to the devil and as he had enthroned the evil spirit in his heart he resisted all the divine advances and inspirations connected with this washing of his feet he was moreover harassed by the fear of breaking his contract with the scribes and pharisees as the bodily presence of christ and the interior urgency of his inspirations both bestormed his sense of right there arose within his darkened soul a dreadful hurricane of conflicting thoughts filling him with dismay and bitterness and fiercest anger whirling him still farther away from his saviour and turning the divine balsam applied to his soul into deadly poison of hellish malice and total depravity thus it came that the malice of judas resisted the saving contact of those divine hands in which the eternal father had placed miraculous power to enrich all creatures with his blessings even if he had not received any other assistance except that naturally flowing from the visible and personal presence of the author of life the wickedness of this unhappy disciple would have been beyond all bounds the outward aspect of christ our lord was most exquisitely charming and attractive his countenance serenely dignified yet sweetly expressive and beautiful was framed in abundant waves of golden chestnut hair freely growing after the manner of the nazarenes his frank and open eyes beamed forth grace and majesty his mouth nose and all the features of his face exhibited the most perfect proportion and his whole person was clothed in such entrancing loveliness that he drew upon himself the loving veneration of all who beheld him without malice in their hearts over and above all this the mere sight of him 
caused in the beholders an interior joy and enlightenment engendering heavenly thoughts and sentiments in the soul this divine personage so lovable and venerable judas now saw at his feet striving to please him by new tokens of affection and seeking to gain him by new impulses of love but so great was the perversity of judas that nothing could move or soften his hardened heart on the contrary he was irritated by the gentleness of the saviour and he refused to look upon his face or take notice of his actions for from that time in which he had lost faith and grace he was filled with hatred toward his master and toward his heavenly mother and never looked them in the face greater in a certain respect was the terror of lucifer at the presence of christ our lord for this demon having established himself in the heart of judas could not bear the humility of the divine master toward his disciples and sought to escape from judas and from the cenacle but the lord detained him by his almighty power in order that his pride might be crushed yet later on he was cast out from that place filled with fury and with the suspicion that christ might after all be the true god the lord completed the washing of the feet and again assuming the upper garment seated himself in the midst of his apostles and began the discourse recorded by saint john know you what i have done to you you call me master and lord and you say well if then i being your lord and master have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for i have given you an example that as i have done to you so you do also amen amen i say to you the servant is not greater than his lord neither is the apostle greater than he that sent him john chapter thirteen verse thirteen then the lord proceeded to propound great mysteries and truths which i will not expatiate here but for which i refer the reader to the gospels this discourse still further enlightened the apostles in the mysteries of the most blessed trinity and of the incarnation and prepared them by new graces for the holy eucharist confirming them in their understanding of the vast significance of his doctrines and miracles among them all saint peter and saint john were most fully enlightened but each of the apostles received more or less insight according to his disposition and according to the divine ordainment what saint john says about his questioning the lord concerning the traitor who was to sell him and the answer of the lord all happened before at the supper itself when the beloved disciple reclined on the bosom of his divine master for saint peter in his fervent attachments to his master and his outspoken love was anxious to know who was the traitor in order that he might avenge or prevent the treason but st john though he recognized the traitor by the bread dipped into the sauce and handed to judas would not inform st peter he alone knew the secret but taught by the charity which he had acquired in the school of his divine master he buried the secret in his bosom while he thus reclined on the bosom of jesus our saviour st john was privileged in many other ways for there he was made to see many most exalted mysteries of the divine humanity and of the queen of heaven his most holy mother on this occasion also he was commissioned to take charge of her for on the cross christ did not say to him she shall be thy mother nor thou shalt be her son but behold thy mother because this was not a matter resolved upon at that time but one which was then to be made manifest publicly as having been ordained and decreed beforehand 
of all these sacraments connected with the washing of the feet of the words and discourses of her son his most pure mother was minutely informed by interior vision as i have stated at other times and for all of them she gave thanks and glory to the most high and when afterwards the wonderful works of the lord were accomplished she beheld them not as one ignorant of them but as one who saw fulfilled what she had known before and what had been recorded in her heart like the law recorded on the tablets of moses she enlightened also her companions of all that was proper reserving whatever they were not capable of understanding instruction which the great mistress of the world most holy mary gave me my daughter in three virtues mentioned by thee in the foregoing chapter was especially practiced by my son and lord i wish that thou be particularly zealous as his spouse and my beloved disciple they are the virtues of charity humility and obedience in which jesus desired to signalize himself toward the end of his life without doubt he manifested his love for men during his whole life since he performed for them such admirable works from the very first instant of his conception in my womb but towards the end of his life when he established the evangelical law of the new testament the fire of ardent love that burned in his bosom burst out in more consuming flames on this last occasion the charity of christ for the children of adam exerted its full force since it was urged on by the sorrows of death that encompassed him and was spurred on from the outside by the dislike of men for suffering their self-chosen misfortunes and their boundless ingratitude and perversity in seeking to destroy the honor and the life of him who was ready to sacrifice all for their eternal happiness by this conflict his love was inflamed to the point at which it could not be extinguished canticles chapter eight verse seven and thus being now about to leave the earth he was driven to exercise all his ingenuity in attempting to prolong his benefactions and his intercourse with men leaving among them by his teachings works and examples the sure means of participating in the effects of his divine charity in this art of loving thy neighbor for god's sake i wish that thou be very expert and zealous this thou wilt be if the very injuries and sufferings with which they afflict thee shall awaken in thee a greater love thou must remember that then alone wilt thou be secure and unwavering when neither benefits nor flatteries of men have any effect on thee for to love those who do thee good is a duty but if thou art heedless thou canst not know whether in this case thou lovest them for god's sake or for the sake of the benefits they confer which would be loving thy own advantage or thyself rather than thy neighbor for god's sake he who loves for other than god's sake or for vain complaisance merely has not yet learned true charity since he is yet taken up with the blind love of his own ease but if thou love those who do not satisfy any of these cravings thou art led on to love them for the lord's sake as the principal motive and object of thy love loving him in his creatures whoever they be thou must exercise thyself both in the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy but as thou hast fewer occasions to exercise those of the body than those of the spirit thou must continually extend thy spiritual works of charity multiplying according to the will of thy saviour thy prayers petitions pious practices accompanying them with prudent and holy admonitions and thus advancing the spiritual welfare of souls 
remember that my lord and son conferred no bodily blessings on any one without accompanying them with spiritual and it would have been derogatory to the divine perfection of his works to perform them without this plentitude of goodness from this thou wilt understand how much we must prefer the benefits of the soul to those of the body hence thou must always seek them in the first place although earthly-minded men blindly prefer temporal blessings forgetting the eternal ones and those tending toward the friendship and grace of the most high the virtues of humility and obedience were highly exalted in the conduct of my most holy son in washing the feet of his apostles if by thy interior enlightenment concerning this extraordinary example thou dost not humble thyself to the dust thy heart is indeed hardened and thou art very obtuse in the knowledge of the lord let it then be understood henceforth that thou never canst consider or profess thyself sufficiently humbled even when thou findest thyself despised and trodden under foot by all men sinners as they are for they never can be as bad as judas nor thou as good as thy lord and master but to merit and to be honoured by this virtue of humility will give thee such perfection and worthiness that thou wilt deserve the name of a spouse of christ and make thyself somewhat like unto him without this humility no soul can be raised to excellence and communication with the lord for the exalted must first be humbled and only the lowly ones can and should be exalted matthew chapter twenty three verse twelve and souls are always raised up by the lord in proportion as they have humiliated themselves in order that thou mayest not lose this pearl of humility just at the time when thou thinkest thyself secure of it remember that the exercise of it is not to be preferred to obedience nor must thou practise it merely at thy own will but in subjection to thy superiors for if thou prefer thy own judgment to that of thy superiors even if they do it under colour of humility thou art guilty of pride for that would be not only refusing to seek the lowest place but placing thyself above thy superior hence thou mayest understand the error of shrinking back like saint peter from the favours and blessings of the lord depriving thee thereby not only of the gifts and treasures offered thee but the advantage of humility which thou seekest and which is much preferable thou failest also in gratefully acknowledging the high ends and in striving after the exaltation of his name which the lord seeks in such works it is not thy business to enter into the examination of his secret and exalted judgments nor to correct them by thy reasonings and thy objections on account of which thou mightest think thyself unworthy of his favours or incapable of performing the works enjoined all this is a seed of lucifer's pride covered up by apparent humility as he thus seeks to hinder the communications of the lord his gifts and his friendship which thou desirest so much let it then be to thee an inviolable rule that as soon as thy confessors and superiors approve of certain favours and blessings as coming from the lord thou accept them as such with due thanks and reverence do not allow thyself to be led into new doubts and vacillating fears but correspond with the favours of the lord in humble fear and tranquil obedience End of chapter 10.